0: yo what up everybody welcome to another episode of the legit podcast we are your hosts i'm real one okay, okay. <laughs> today we got a special guest joining us today former first round draft pick former bcs national champion former super bowl champion michael clayton joining us on today's episode michael how you doing
1: Rio Bikel, what's up, man? How y'all doing?
0: Doing good, good, good. doing good. Now nah, I gotta Can be y'all hear I, me? I gave you this fine. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta be I gotta be honest with the fans. We tried this last week, didn't go according to plan. So <laughs> here we are again, <laughs> giving it another try, you know. Michael, uh nice having you joining us today. We appreciate you you know giving us a little bit of your time. Now, uh, as a former Pro NFL athlete, former college athlete, you know, we want you to just kind of take us down memory lane again, you know, tell us how you start off with the love of football and how you ended up, you know, being a first round draft pick and playing in the league for the time that you did.
1: Most definitely. Um, first and foremost, man, it's an honor to be on with you guys. I'm always uh, excited to see young brothers, you know, move towards their passion and uh, always glad to support. Uh, so I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, as a football player, man, it all started when I was a, a young pup, man, um, seven years old. My whole family was from Mississippi. I had over 17 cousins. We played football in the pastures of Mississippi from sunup to sundown and big mama and big papa's house and their front yard and backyards and side yards and all of those things and uh my younger cousins we always played with my older cousins it was just one age one age group you know uh everybody against everybody and uh my older cousins never took it easy on us you know they they kind of put that peyote on us like, like like we like to say and uh made us tough and mm-hmm. so when i got back to baton Rouge, louisiana you know uh weekends and holidays i was spending mississippi with my cousins but on the you know, during, during the weekend, once football season started, my, I remember my first organized, uh, you know, football organization playing with the South Baton Rouge Rams. Uh, I was a skinny, shy, scary little kid, you know, uh, wasn't really, uh, uh, you know, from from the streets. A lot, a lot of people in South Baton Rouge is one of the toughest towns, uh, parts of the town in Baton Rouge. And, you know, it was a eye-opening for me because I was a country boy at heart and, uh uh, at seven years old, I had to go out and, um, you know, find myself, find my toughness. And uh, those tough guys out there made me be tough, made me who I am today. And uh, uh, learning how to play football for that organization at the time and still is one of the mostly hadn't lost the game i think when i showed up they hadn't lost the game in like seven years so he's had the best athletes had the best coaching we had one of the uh, baton rouge uh superstar coaches uh le- legendary coach so warwick was our um uh you know kind of our role model and you know we all looked up to warwick and wanted to be like warwick and he was the superstar at the time and uh, he just set mm-hmm. a great example for us you know young kids in the third fourth grade you know wanting to grow up and be like Ward Dunn who was you know an all-star in middle school and then high school at Catholic High and then went on to Florida State uh, Ward just always set that set that standard for everybody in Baton Rouge and uh, you know we were the you know the next group of guys as the that were highly touted uh, as Ward Dunn was and you know, took from uh, from Pop Warner football, went on to high school, you know, middle school and then high school, obviously. In uh, Ohio, I went to a small 2A school in Banris-Louis Camps. Uh, I did play AU basketball, so I traveled around the country, won, won YBOA Nationals one year, ranked like third I really never knew how they rated uh, players back in the day. Uh, Mm. You know, social media wasn't like it is now. And uh, I was, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I I guess I had favor. And, you know, uh, a lot of eyes were on me in high school. And I dominated, played uh, everything, played offense, defense, special teams, everything in high school. And I was recruited as such at LSU. Uh, I remember the day uh, Bobby Bowden came to my house on on a Saturday and spent the day with me and I was going, you know, my community really didn't uh, support LSU at the time because we were from the black community and uh, LSU and Southern University, uh, our uh, HBCU college right there in Baton Rouge, they always had like beef growing up. and You know, it was always a divided uh, community. Uh, you know uh, where where I was from and uh, you know nobody really took a liking to LSU and the young uh, inner-city kids they didn't recruit and the the black kids that did go to LSU from Louisiana it didn't pan out so uh, they lost a lot of athletes to Miami which is why Miami was so good back in the day Mm and like I said lost war done to Florida State Guys, guys like Travis minor and some other guys that were from Louisiana and uh Bobby Bowden showed up, and I'm going to Florida State. And then uh Coach Saban, I didn't know who he was at the time. He called my dad and uh asked. He heard Bobby Bowden was in town on Saturday. And he called my dad and asked if he can come on that Sunday. And uh I had, you know, back-to-back. I never had white people in my house ever before, you know. And now one weekend, two, two white men come in my house, you know, one – carrying the bible and you know bobby Bowen was a very spiritual man and kind of sold that and made me feel comfortable and you know i was going to florida state and then coach saban shows up in khaki pants a yellow undershirt blue blazer with penny loafers no socks with <laughs> a gold chain on and uh, and who is this who is this cool cool looking white white man in my house man like, yeah. I didn't know who he was and i mean he sold he sold himself so well. Uh, he spent the day with us, went to church with us, and uh, he, he spoke to the situation. He said that they, he knows that the inner city kids hadn't been recruited at LSU and he wanted to change that. Um, he knew that, um, you know, uh, that that the community was divided from Southern University and LSU. He wanted to change that. And so when he spoke of those things, these are always the things that we talked about growing up as kids, but never really thought that we had the resources to facilitate that. So it was just, you know, talking amongst friends and, you know, how we wanted to better our community and things of that nature. And now here Coach Saban comes in, you know, mentioning those things and was kind of like it hit home. And so I paid attention to a lot of the things that he said. And he says, Mike, you know, You can go to Florida State and you can win a national championship. And he says, nobody in Louisiana will care. He says, uh, you know, what I want you to do is make a 40 year decision, not a four year decision. You can come to LSU, win a national championship and you'll never be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought about that and it sounded real good, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, um, my eyes opened that day. And uh, I really enjoyed sitting down with Coach. Saving. We talked about winning the national championship. We talked about winning the SEC championship, and I just bought in. And he said that might be my number one guy. You know, if we get you, we know all of the other ten recruits in Louisiana will come because you're you're the top one of the top dogs. It was me and Marcus Spears at the time, and uh, he said a lot of kids are gonna follow you. And uh, I got on the phone after that, man, and I called all of the all of the top dogs in Louisiana and said, Hey, man, change your plans. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking about going to LSU, uh, what, what what we going to do, baby? And uh, mm. lo and behold, every guy, every top recruit in the state uh, decided to go to LSU that year. Not necessarily because I went, but it was just a decision that I think it was in the water. You know, it was a turning of the tide. Uh, LSU was losing a lot of Louisiana athletes, and for me to be highly touted, top five in the nation in my position, uh, top twenty in the nation, uh, and, and all around. And uh, when I decided to go to LSU, it created a buzz, and you know uh, everybody else. We had over ten five-star recruits. You know, maybe not four, four, four-star, five-star recruits uh, decided to go to LSU with me, and uh, we won the SEC championship our first year. Mm-hmm. We, lose ten- we lose the Tennessee we lose the Tennessee in week three. Uh, and then we come back, and Tennessee is supposed to go to the national championship if they beat us in the, in the SEC championship. And we spoiled them. They were supposed to go to the Rose Bowl that year, two thousand and one. Uh, and we came back and beat them in the SEC championship. And we we looking at each other like, man, if, if this team was supposed to go to the national championship, you know who who are we? And uh, yeah. you know the the following year that 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 you know to win an SEC. See, as a freshman, I was the only freshman that started, uh, I, I gained a starting position week four, and the rest was history, you know, uh, broke records my freshman year, uh, caught a lot of balls my freshman year, uh, me and uh, uh, Josh Reed was the Belitnikoff winner of that year, and uh, we ju- we were just a, di- became a dynamic duo, and I had to work hard to kind of climb that ladder because I had older, older guys um you know in, in my position seniors and juniors were there that were that were you know all conference the previous year so i checked y'all ready <laughs>
2: yeah we good
1: yeah. all right record on yeah. all right yeah yeah we're good, we're good. so uh, yeah. Yeah. i'll speed this up all right <laughs> yeah. good. so uh you know we we went on We went on to win the SEC championship that year, and uh, we really evaluated ourselves that we could be the top team in the country. We lose our starting quarterback. But my junior year, we came back and um, we lost one game to Florida at home, Uh, ran the table on everybody else, and ended up playing in the national championship against Oklahoma, who had the uh, best linebacker in the country. Uh, And Teddy Lehman had the best defensive lineman in the country, uh, Tommy Harrison had the best DB in the country Dion Strait and had mm-hmm. the had the be- best uh, all around the Heisman trophy winner uh, I think his name was Jason Jason White at the time uh, so they had all of the uh the the stars but they were playing in the New Orleans Superdome and so mm-hmm. it was it was a home game for us and uh we really represented well our defense played well and we ran the football really good and uh, we played a, a hard, tough football game and kind of took it to Oklahoma and, you know, won uh, the first BCS national championship in LSU's history. And uh, I was a captain on that team. And uh, 12 o'clock at night, Coach Saban calls me in his room afterwards. And he always told me that he would be honest and give me the best advice. And I never thought about going to the NFL. I had one more year. It was my junior year. And he says, Mike, uh you know, my sources are telling me you'll be a first round pick this year. Um, I don't know who your quarterback will be next year, and I don't know if I'm going to be here next year. And I was like, wait a minute. He says <laughs> So I'm, that you go into the NFL draft. And at 12 o'clock at night, you know, my my college football career was over with unknowingly, you know, and uh, when I look back, I think that that's why, you know, I was I was able to be so productive is because not once did I ever think about the NFL. I was just trying to be my very best. You know, every every practice, every play, starting on special teams, leading the SEC in receptions, making killer blocks and and, and killer tackles on, on kickoff team and just enjoying the moment. And uh, if you look today, you know, Coach Saban has kind of modeled every single team that he's ever coached after us, after that mentality in which we brought. You know, I wasn't the only starter who started on special teams. Me, Corey Webster, you know, Marcus Spears, all of the stars that were on that team, we all played special teams. And when you look at Coach Saban's teams, his starters are out there on special teams, you know, because we we brought that mentality. It was kind of, a you know, uh, guys thinking about the NFL, they don't want to get hurt. You see that a lot, a lot of prima donna uh, uh, in college these days. But we we brought that hard nose, blue collar work, uh, you know, toughness, the best man on the football field in all phases. And uh, it really made a difference. We went on to win a national championship. And then I went my senior year to go into the draft. And just like Joseba said, I was a first round draft pick uh, gathered with the family. My name was called the 15th pick of the draft to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I was I wore number eighty with the Bucks. Got a ch- chance to to meet John Gruden, who had uh, won a Super Bowl in two thousand and two. Uh, so mm-hmm. the the organization was fairly hot uh, when I came, and uh, you know that it all started from there. I was fully prepared to take on the National Football League. Had the fifth best rookie performance in NFL history. Eighty catches, eleven hundred ninety three yards, seven touchdowns. You know, made made my mark uh and then uh after that great rookie season i had a i had you know no other season i played 8 years total but no other season compared to my rookie year and uh the outside looking in one would think that i was depressed and you know bothered mm. uh but i was really learning how to live life and how to humble myself and you know, uh, learning who I was uh, as a person, who I was spiritually, uh, and all of those lot of things. So, you know, during I my from small uh, to find a way to build my talent that I had learned all the way back in Pop Warner. It served me well. You know, uh, when it, when I needed it the most. Uh, you know, when 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 I was about to get kicked out of the door, I was able to show the coaching staff enough uh, to keep me on board. I ended up signing a second contract, you know, in the national football league, five years, $25 million when I didn't have the numbers, didn't have, you know, all of the media was like, "What? what are you signing him for and all of this? Mm Well, I, I I learned how to become a leader I, I learned how to weather the storm I, I learned how to make yourself known even when you have when you are uh, you know having a losing season or down moments I really learned how to be a professional and um, you know that's the, one of the greatest lessons I ever learned when I got fired from the Bucks, played a small stint in the UFL for like three or four weeks with the Omaha Nighthawks uh, learned one of my mo- my most valuable lessons. It, I was scared. I was embarrassed to go. I thought my career was over with. Uh, but I was going through a spiritual change at the time. And the father said, you know, be a leader amongst men that you don't know. I went to Omaha, Nebraska, had about eight of my teammates from the Bucks were there. So I felt right at home uh, when I got off the plane. I didn't know that they were there. So it was a, a, a welcoming surprise. Uh, and then I was a leader amongst those guys. I came, you know, the last four games of the season, they had played a whole season. I had sat at home for seven weeks and nobody picked me up. And uh, it was unfortunate at the time. I went through a lot of stress. I was depressed and all of those things. But I wanted to be ready for a call from the NFL. So I went and played in the UFL. I finished that season. And lo and behold, the New York Giants called me after the season was over with and uh, gave me a shot, gave me a workout. And uh, I killed the workout. Caught all 50 balls. My last ball, I caught a crazy ball behind my head. You know, I ran an out route and threw my hands up. Uh, I say it was luck, but the father knew that he made that ball stick to my hands. And Coach Coughlin ran out on the football field and was like, hey, I saw and I've seen enough. I've seen enough. And The New York Giants signed me. And uh, just like I had to learn in Omaha, Nebraska, how to be a leader amongst men that I didn't know, I was picked up by the New York Giants week 10 of that year. And I immediately became a leader because I had already been in the fire and and the father was already grooming me for my next destination in New York. And so I had immediate respect. You know, I was a tough nose football player. So all of the defensive guys for the New York Giants, they knew what I was about, you know, bringing that heat at a wide receiver Mm -hmm. always. Back on people and putting people on their butts. So uh the most, the, all of the guys on the on the New York Giants team, all of the defensive guys, are who really the leaders of the team. So they respected me and everything else fell in line. And I immediately became a leader. I played two years, made the team the next year too. We missed the playoffs by one game that year. Came back, made the team the next year. Made the 53-man roster, you know, we may, we make it to the playoffs, go undefeated in the wild card and uh win a Super Bowl. So to go from, you know, first round draft pick to six down seasons in the pros, being fired into the UFL for a few weeks, being picked up by the Giants, having to sustain as I played two years with the Giants, only caught two passes. Nobody does that. They kept me around because I knew how to be a pro, I knew how to work hard, I knew how to practice. I knew how to carry myself. And uh, the father had me there for a reason. It was a very uh, delightful spiritual journey that I went on when I was in New York. And um, it was just a, uh, you know, it it was a a welcoming surprise. We talked about it week four that, uh, that that we were gonna win the Super Bowl. I told him, I said, the father said that we're gonna win a Super Bowl this year. We started a players only meeting with four guys and halfway through the season we had half the team and at the end of the season we had the whole team including coaches and in his players only meeting and i had been telling them all year that this was the year we were going to win the super bowl we had to become better fathers we had to become better husbands we had to become better teammates uh better friends and 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 hold each other accountable to a high standard and uh every week we talked about our vices you know things that you go through you know the drinking the smoking the partying mm everything that was involved with young men, uh, with a lot of money that you didn't have any self-control or how to come out that darkness. And uh, we really held each other accountable. We won the Super Bowl, we played in Indianapolis and uh, my teammates kind of uh, paraded me around because I had been telling them all year and we went on this spiritual journey together and uh, you know, the rest was history. And uh, that, that's my my story in a, in a nutshell, my football career, man. And uh, I wouldn't change anything um i wouldn't change nothing man you know my down moments made me who i am and i'm so thankful that the father strengthened me in those moments to be a good man and and to strive to be a better man every single day and uh you know made a lot of mistakes um had had a lot of setbacks but uh, he strengthened me in a way so that i can continue to get back up and now I stand before the world, 40 years old, you know. I finally got it together. You know, I'm built spiritually where I won't be moved. Uh and 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 I'm I'm just excited about the career that the father allowed me to have, man, and being able to share my testimony to the world.
0: And we appreciate you for sharing that story with us, man. That's that's one heck of a one heck of a story and one heck of a career that you have, man. Some people ain't fortunate enough, you know, win a national championship, win a Super Bowl. It doesn't happen to everybody, man. And you wanted very soon you know I, at, the, I, I, at the end of
1: the rings over there i'll put I'll, I'll let the let the camera see them rings in a second
0: <laughs> <laughs> now uh it's winning the, both the national championship and the super bowl i gotta ask like which one felt sweeter though you know
1: yeah i i get that question a lot man my national championship is my pride and joy mm. you know being here from you know born and raised in baton Rouge, being able to go to LSU, one of the greatest moments was when we won the national championship, Southern University won the Black College National Championship. So we had what they call a parade of champions in downtown Baton Rouge, where you had black and white people gathered by the millions in downtown Baton Rouge. I'm getting the chills right now because that's that's what it was all about. It was going It was about going to LSU to bring our community together. And what better fashion to have your two top schools uh, in the in the city win a national championship and then gather, you know, you know, people having barbecue and tailgating and Southern University fans and LSU fans sitting together and loving on one another. It was one of those was uh, one of the greatest moments I ever witnessed in my life to see, uh, you know, Baton Rouge come together the way it did. You know, I got into a, a, lot of, a lot of fights and a lot of situations where you had to fight for the right to stand tall. And, and we did that um and we did that in love it, it, we were made better men for it and uh you know not to say that that's how you handle the situation but you know you handle it how you know how to handle it when you're young and immature and then you're able to come out of those things and, and grow to be a bit a better person but i was thankful uh to to see that and witness that parade of champions in baton rouge and i always tell people my national championship is my pride and joy
0: i feel that i feel that. Uh- now, when you played in the NFL, was there ever anybody who you was like, man, I got to line up against this dude this week. <laughs> I ain't trying to
1: mess uh, around with oh. this guy. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't hear that every week, I wasn't doing something right. <laughs> right. So, there, there was never – there. I don't remember a game where a defensive back says to me in pregame, hey, Mike, man, don't be about that bull yesterday, man. Don't be about that All bull crap. Day man, because they knew M80 was coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming every play, especially if they not throwing me the ball in the run game. I was a head hunter, that safety had no chance with me. <laughs> I'm coming, out of that hole, I'm that whole lining and somebody going to the ground, somebody getting a concussion, you know. Mm. And that's just how I played the game. That's the only way I knew how to play, and that's how I remained in the National Football League for eight years. I ran into coach John Gruden uh, just the other day and, and I told him, and we, we had always had some beef and I was very happy to have that experience just uh, uh, last week to kind of reunite with my coach and love on him and tell him I love him and kind of squash that old that old beef. And uh, mm-hmm. I said, you know, you never had a wide receiver block like me. He said, Mike, I never have. He says, man, <laughs> I still show your tape today to this day. He said, man, I, I, yeah, when we played atlanta one time i just scold drug the guy through the back of the end zone put him in the end, put him in the stands just it did him did him something bad and i always looked for that clip and never could find it and he mentioned <laughs> i got that clip i say, coach i want that clip i want that back <laughs> i didn't know defensive backs because I didn't want to know you. I didn't want to second guess myself. I'm headhunting and I didn't want to know you. And there was there was one once or twice that backfired on me. And uh, I was going against Lawyer Malloy. Lawyer Malloy played with the Atlanta Falcons. And boy, that boy was bringing that thunder. And I had no idea. And, and I hit him one time. I hit him one time. got him the first time. And you know, it's lawyer my lawyer. I, I mean, I heard it a name, but like I said, I didn't really pay attention to people because I didn't want to second guess myself. Man, he came back, he wasn't worried about making no tackle. He ran he, he ran straight through me, hunt me the play all the way over there. He could come. Wow. I said, What the man, this brick wall out of here. I said, Man, we can't do this all game each other. And, From that that point point on, on me and Lawyer Maloy were good friends, and we had.
0: I I don't know if Kev got any more questions before we move on. Oh,
2: uh, I know you play wide receiver. So, a majority of the time, a lot of people, when they come in any sport, they got a person they looked up to. Or they want to play their game after is that wide receiver you was like that's the guy I wanna play like
1: uh well, well you know we we all grew up wanting to be like Jerry rice you know uh mm-hmm. rice was you know my whole family went to black college went to Horn State University and Jerry rice went to Mississippi Valley so uh, I grew up as a fan of, you know, Walter Payton and those guys. Um, but my, my my main guy that I had a relationship with, uh, because my uncle was an offensive coordinator at Alcorn State University, was Steve McNair. So I was a mm. ball boy for Alcorn. So we would throw at halftime and he would always give us uh, his spat, his tape. And we would run home after the games because my uh, my uncle and aunt lived on right off the of campus, so about a mile mm-hmm. away in a trailer. And so we would go take all the Steve McNair extra spat and we would spat up our tape. And man, we wanted to be like Steve McNair. He was just such an electric football player. I think he was Heisman runner-up to Rashawn Salam. I think it was probably around '93. I think uh, in that around sometime around that year uh but he was just the most electrifying player that i had ever seen in my life and to be able to know him and him know me and call me by my name growing up as a little kid uh that was just life-changing for me and j- then to watch him dominate the the nfl uh that when i got drafted the one of my first calls was from steve and uh he sent me i still have his uh autographed football uh in my trophy case from steve mcnair when i got drafted so Steve for me was always, uh, you know, that player that just dominated and, and we saw growing up and he was just uh, he was just so good. And it was, we were at our family reunion when we got the news that he had been been murdered, you know, and uh,
2: mm.
1: it was a tough time for my family because we grew up in family reunions going to watch him play. And then we were at a family reunion when we got the news that he had passed away. So but Steve was uh, Steve McNair was that that guy for, for us uh like i said we were all from mississippi you know growing up in mississippi he was from mount olive mississippi and uh he did it big man he was he was larger than life in in college football and uh he he took the national football league by storm.
0: Well, i want to give my condolences as well on that so you know yeah yeah um now after football um you took all that knowledge that you gained learning playing football at the College level and pro level, and you pass that. You passing that on to the youth right now. You're you're coaching in uh, little
1: league, or well, I I coached last year. uh, I coached high school football, so I became Mm. a head coach. It was a it was a one and done situation for me. Me, I kind of stepped because uh, I didn't have a lot of support, and uh, you know, the father was taking me elsewhere. You know, I'm in full time. Uh, ministry in the highways and byways not not a not a pastor of a church or anything but uh you know I I get around and minister to people and you know football just took I I never got home you know before 11 o'clock you know I mean it was always after 11 midnight a lot of 4 a.m. uh -hmm. mornings just changed the dynamic uh of that high high school and their environment there uh and 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 having to be in you know not i had coaches on on staff but they were all volunteer coaches in high school you know so it was kind of as the head coach you got to kind of wash clothes jv and varsity and and do a lot of things so make sure that the team is comfortable for practice the next day and it was just a revolving cycle that never ended all season and all year round really because football never really ends so um you know that that was the deal man and uh we just uh Uh, uh, I I now just kind of train guys and I've always been a speaker, a public speaker. So I speak to high schools and give my testimony at football camps and I work other other player, national football players, uh, football camps and things of that nature. But uh, young, inspiring the youth is one of my passions. Always have been. I've been public speaking to youth since I was 18 years old. And, uh, you know, when the father gives you a testimony, you know, he gives you that for a reason for you to tell your story. And that's really what helps empower uh, young, young people who want to follow in your footsteps. Yes, sir.
0: You said you had a awakening in faith. Um, Is there was there a moment in time where it kind of just happened for you or you just woke up one day and you was like, you know what? Uh, You know, this is this is where I want to be. This is this is what I want to
1: do. Yeah, I I mean, it was it's different levels to faith, you know, uh, and and spirituality. Uh, The common the common person will say that they believe in God and you grow up in church and you grow up praying. And sometimes you're only praying when you need something or when something Mm -hmm. about to happen. And then, you know, I I was always a faith, uh, you know, call myself a believer growing up uh, really big on faith, always in prayer. Knew that the father was with me. Had divine circumstances and situations growing up in my life that he proved that he was real. So I believed it, and uh, you know every minute of it, and and had big faith. Uh, and then when I retired, uh, I went on this uh, this start, this search to to get grow deeper. You know, I would read where the Bible tells us to be perfect, uh, be perfect, be ye perfect, for your father in heaven is perfect. And here i am the one of the most imperfect people in the world wild and smoking drinking partying and calling myself a believer and it just didn't mix you know and i always wanted to quit but i didn't have the power to so i I knew my heart i knew where i was uh, you know uh i knew where i was uh spiritually i knew where i wanted to go and I knew that I wanted to uh, reach that perfection that the Bible talked about. So I went on this 10 year journey, uh, you know, of, of searching the scriptures. And then the the last three years of that 10 years, uh, I really got uh, engulfed with, you know, listening to a lot of sermons and reading my Bible every day. And, you know, and then I began to, you know, when I began to read the Bible for myself, I began to see things that conflicted what pastors were preaching and Mm -hmm. uh and it was very hard for me to you know having to make a decision i've always said that i'm big on faith and the father knows that i was always big on faith but now when you have to read these things for yourself but you've been taught something totally different what are you gonna do and so uh i i decided to just you know kind of walk away from a religion and allow of the father to just lead me in in spirit and in truth. And when I went that journey, man, it's been the best thing that ever happened to me. In my last year, the father really revealed himself to me. He revealed who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, he revealed uh, the names uh, of our great fathers in heaven. You know, those names that are written in our Bibles are not the names of our fathers. They're, these are this is a Hebrew book. There is no letter J in the Hebrew language. And when I when I learned all of that, I'm like, wait, but but what's the name of Jesus if there's no letter J in the Hebrew language? Well, it goes to find out that you know they created that name and and and, and subscribed Father Yeshua's name as Jesus. Uh, in our Bibles to keep people at bay to not allow people to access the power that's written that you have in the Bible. So once I tapped into the sacred names of the father and then the fathers and then learned how to pray uh, and then learn how to walk in righteousness, then I got on that journey of becoming perfected. And i really understood what it meant to have the power to come out of drink and come out of smoke and watching uh, and, uh pornography and all of those things that that i've been battling with since i was a child at 14 and wanted to come out of and didn't have the strength the bible says the truth will set you free and once the truth hit that's when i was freed and the enemy could no longer uh uh use me as his playground and uh n- now i'm a man built on truth and that's what I minister about my testimony of coming out of sin and living a life of righteousness and being an honest man and, 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 and living your life according to the scriptures as a Hebrew man. I was taught I was a Gentile growing up. But if you're melanated living in America, you are a, a, are a Hebrew. And when I learned my identity, identity, I learned that the Old Testament scriptures are written to, to me. Are written to us and you know we were taught in in the in in the church that the old testament is done away with you know all of this foolishness and but father yeshua says in the new testament not one dot or tittle will be removed from the law until heaven and earth pass away and the last time i checked my feet hit this ground so this this earth is here that means everything is intact from the beginning of genesis all the way to the end of revelations and once you learn that truth and uh you you begin to live Uh, the life of truth uh, as the Bible is written. Your life changes, your prayers work, and the father moves in a way where you will never go back to that old self. And uh, I really understood what it meant, why our ancestors stayed in prayer because they knew our great father's names and the great fathers moved on their behalf uh, many different times in the Bible. And uh, we we suffer from that today. Uh, Our society has always been at the bottom our generation our parents generation our kids generation generation after generation we're marginalized and we don't know why it's because we're under the curse of, of of deuteronomy 28 what was created long ago and the only thing that will pull you out of that curse is the truth of the scriptures and uh i'm a living testimony of coming out of that curse and, 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 and feeling and seeing what a blessing uh, really is from the Father. And, uh, you know, I got my business. I got a beautiful family, beautiful children, and uh, being able to provide for them and minister, work on my own terms, make, make enough money to provide for my family and my children and my children's children and all of those things, and then prioritize the scriptures every single day and ministry every single day has been a blessing beyond, beyond my understanding. And I'm, I'm enjoying this journey that I'm on right now.
0: And you you've taken that you've taken that ministry and that testimony and you've translated it over to the music and, oh yeah uh, so kept sharing the music with me i've heard the music it's a powerful message uh, tell us a little bit more about that you know
1: yeah man i was uh i was casted in a movie a year ago a year year and a half ago and uh uh it's called the greatest coach of all time and it was a faith-based movie and uh, one of the theme songs on that uh, on that in that movie was a country song, very good song by uh, Darren Taylor. Uh, but being a black man, you know, you know, there's something about music that moves my soul, and, and it ain't and it ain't country, unfortunately. You know what I mean? So <laughs> the father said, "Make some music for your people." Right. So I made it, and I and I knew nothing about making music, but I did know that voice telling me to make some music, and so. Mm. Uh I, I the father put the resources right in my path. I met a producer. Uh had he had a a, a a studio in his garage. Uh he became my good friend and still is to this day one of my good friends that I minister to. And you know, I, I was uh, you know, just in the lab trying to come up with some concepts. And uh, I wanted to make a song. I had denounced the name, saying the name Jesus for about two years. I, and I said I ain't saying that name out of fear, cause I didn't, I didn't know his name was Yahshua at the time. But I didn't want to dishonor my father, so I started calling him, you know, Creator of, uh, of the universe and Father in heaven. Start calling mm. him by his title, but I refused to call him by a name that wasn't his. And uh, after two years, I didn't get no confirmation on what his name was, and I'm sitting there in the studio wanting to make a song about his name, and I'm thinking like, man, was I going crazy? You know, like I, you know, was, I, I denounced the name of Jesus. If that's, I'm sorry. So I'm in the lab saying, you know, Jesus, 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 trying to come up with a song, Jesus. And then I went home, and then I ran into an old teammate of mine who has proven himself to be one of the most dynamic people of this world that everybody needs to meet. Uh, His name is Christian Hopkins. And, uh, man, everything that I had been searching for, uh, and and I ministered to this brother uh, when we played for the Giants. But lo and behold, when I saw him ministering on Facebook Live, his knowledge surpassed my knowledge by a hundredfold. And I was like, what got into him? Mm. That's what I've been looking and in about 10 minutes when I saw that live he taught me the father's names I reached out to him we reconnected and we've been like this ever since for the past uh, year and a year and a half every day ministering uh, hearing from him and uh, just communing with him and and things of that nature so once I learned the father's names that night I went back into the lab and the father made that happen I went back in there and I made that song that you may have heard names made known and uh on on the album and uh you know the the whole album was just inspired by the truth of the gospel uh everything every word that's spoken is in in scripture uh, those who know the bible you'll hear these scriptures in 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 musical melody and in, in lyric uh, lyricism and all of those things and creative writing the way the father gave me the, the lyrics to write i i just would write a sentence write a word write a line and at the end, I would have a bunch of jumbo, and then he would have me then I put it all together <laughs> and what the music that you heard is is the is the end result, so I know that um you know not knowing how to do that uh and the father putting that together and for it to be likable to people who you know have probably don't listen to that type of music. I know that there's a purpose for it. The name of the album is The Real 444. Shots Fired at uh, at Jay-Z. Yes. it, it is a Shots Fired. All <laughs> right. The The Real 444. And uh it's going to be dropping uh in, any day now, man. We just got everything mastered and uh, I'm I'm excited to be uh you know a, a part of that project.
0: Hey, you say you say Shots Fired at Jay-Z. I like it. It's, it's... <laughs> there's something like uh, about JC that you know just kind of rubs you the wrong way or like
1: I, I mean you know he he's just a um uh a very demonic person you know what i mean and when you know the truth of the gospel and um uh, uh, when you know um how the world operates uh, in the Illuminati and things of that nature and things that are the, the hidden powers and hidden mysteries uh, uh of this dark and evil world, you know that there are some powers that 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 be. And he had a play on the 444. He calls himself Hovah because it's a play on words uh as the Elohim. The Elohim's name is Yahovah. And uh he calls himself Hovah because he know he understands the mysteries of the Bible and he kind of mimics and mocks uh and mocks the truth of the scriptures so uh as great as he is for the world you know i mean uh there's one greater than he and uh you know so so this is to show people that uh the father gives every man his gifts and how a man chooses to use that gift is on him and uh obviously he's went down another path and uh you know he's captivated the world and uh, we're trying to take some of that back, you know, wake up our people by, uh, you know, sending them shots to them.
0: All right. Hey, you know, for those who are listening, you know, you guys should listen to the album. There's a powerful message in there, some truth telling in there. Uh, we'll be sure to link that in the description down below. Um, now, um, back football wise, is there anything like, is there a, like one piece of advice you could share with an up and coming? a football player, a kid out there who has dreams of making the NFL, if there was one piece of advice you can give them, what would that be?
1: Uh, Man, um, you know, you got to work every day. You got to do something every single day. Don't let a day pass where you're not working on your craft. Uh, I would tell every young person what the father has for you, no man can take away. Uh, Have confidence in your abilities. If you're outworking your opponent, then you should expect – Great things. I, I call it the the you the, the never let your expectation be higher than your work ethic. If you are if you if you are working at your craft, then you should expect to do great things. And so put in the work. Uh, you, what what you put in is what you're going to get out. And uh, that was one of my things. I won't be outworked by anyone. And we were able to do some uh, some great things uh, in, 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 the, in, in the great sport of football. By working hard, and I I just encourage every young person if they want to make their dreams happen, don't let a day pass where you're not um, you're not working at your craft.
2: All right, right. Uh, I I got two I got two good questions, and you know we'll be out there. I got one football question, one music question. You know I'm gonna keep it real. So football wise, I'm not sure if you watch now or not, but is there anybody that's playing now that got your eye? That you like, you know, they next up, or you like the game?
1: Mm. Ah man, man, man. I mean, I, I love these new young quarterbacks, man, like Patrick Mahomes and mm. Jalen Hurts, you know, um uh, th- those guys are very uh dynamic to say to say the least. Um you know in terms of in terms of wide receivers you know, I'm a bit of I'm I'm in love with my old head guys, you know what I mean? You know, uh DeAndre Hopkins is still mm. is still uh you know a dynamic player. We had the same uh coach, uh Stan Hixon was my college coach, and Stan Hickson coached him with the Texans. So uh we were always connected through that and it's always good to see uh uh you know him him get busy. Uh uh Devonte Adams, you know, uh he's he's a player who uh is uh on another level in terms of his route running and as a wide receiver. You know, I like to I like to see him get busy, but my LSU guys are really lighting it up, man, and uh it's always good to see uh those guys do well uh, uh Jefferson uh with Minnesota uh mm-hmm. and, and and my boy Jamar Chase uh, down with the Bengals and Joe Burrow. So you know, uh, spent some time with those guys and, you know, very thankful that, you know, my class made the decision to go to LSU to make it popular for to set the set the table for those young men who came after us and, you know, went to LSU and, and continued the great legacy uh, that we were able to create and uh, to see those guys do well uh especially guys like jefferson who were you know kind of uh, uh uh people would say undersized but you know when you look at the top rookie performers uh, in nfl history you know you got six lsu players on that list uh t- mm. top seven you know what i mean six of them out of lsu and uh, i had to be bumped by some of my other lsu guys <laughs> hopefully odell beckham gets his uh gets his opportunity again and kind of be a great player that he is man and uh You know, we've had some, I always enjoy looking at my LSU guys, uh, you know, do well in the National Football League. We've had a few um, as of late.
2: Okay. And my my last one for the, um, the music question. So a lot of people that have your mindset, quote unquote, whether it's real or fake, are sometimes, you know, afraid to speak out. You know, whether it be they're afraid of the backlash they may get or you know they may lose some followers or whatever the case may be and I so I just want to say first of all I appreciate you without being afraid of any repercussions that may come with your belief you know
1: yeah yeah it's it's gotta happen The, the Bible tells you that you're gonna be persecuted you know they killed father Yeshua because the gospel he came preaching truth the most religious people in the world killed him and if you if the if the gospel that you preaching is not shaking or roughing feathers of the most religious people in the world, then you don't have the truth yet. Right. So, uh, absolutely, I'm I'm honored to be persecuted. I'm honored to, to be criticized and talked about and called crazy, uh, because that's what it's really uh, is really all about. You know that that's when you know you are going down that right path. The Bible says wide is the path that leads to destruction, narrow is the path that leads to salvation and only a few find it. So that narrow right. path are, becomes those who stand boldly for truth and are willing to face the world in this persecution. Absolutely.
2: That's true. So my 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 question to you is on this upcoming album, The Real 444, most artists, when they drop an album, they have a favorite track, whether it be a backstory or. The lyrics they wrote, whatever. What's your favorite track? Or are you most excited about on there?
1: Man. They got a lot of heat on that album, man. They got a lot of heat. Uh, I, I would I I would I would I would create a song and I would say, oh, that's my favorite song, then I'll do another one. Oh, that's my favorite song, then I'll do another one. <laughs> my um you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give you three, three, my top three, because they're, you know, three different dynamics of this of this album. Uh, my my number one would be pray to Yah. You know, people who um, are looking to he- have the father hear your prayer. First, you got to know his name. You got to mm-hmm. know who to pray to. We pray to Father Yah through the name of Yahshua and we confirm our prayers through the name of the holy spirit whose name is jehovah so when i wrote that song pray to yah it was a educational song for people how to pray and that beat really 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 hit me and uh you know there's some uh there's some uh there's some uh lines and some bars in there that's that's quite quite, quite fire you know mm. when i they uh uh the, the the spirit and truth the book of john you know you read about in john four twenty two, those who worship the father will worship him in spirit and in truth and so the book of john tells us that and so there are a lot of puns in that song that i really enjoyed the father bringing to me and uh enjoyed that so pray to Ya is one of my one of my my, my number ones and then i got uh, mount up was one of my hardcore uh songs that i wanted to go into the hood and kind of pull our our people who were engulfed in uh gang banging and uh, and that nature and tell them mm. the reason why i have that mentality is to go to war to to be strengthened to fight the spiritual war that's coming uh and that spiritual war will involve a fleshly war too because there are demons those demons have to occupy a fleshly body and you're gonna have to go to war and it's coming the scriptures say so i wanted to educate my brothers on why they have that mentality so that they can turn it from against your brother into the enemy you know right. and so up is about you know you you had the mentality of mounting up to go kill your brother but now you got to mount up and go go to work for papa yah and so uh, that that that's one of my favorites. And then my last one that really shakes the feathers. And this is my this we 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 came out. I, I released this one first, and we released a video. Y'all go on uh, YouTube and watch the bloodthirsty Michael Clayton bloodthirsty on YouTube. Watch that video because that shook the city up. I'll be sure to link uh, that too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that shook the, that shook the city up. And uh, you know we really have some things uh, in that video that's speaking truth and uh we talk about a lot of things in that video we 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 talk about a lot of th- things in that video that um that are very very you know important and it's truth and uh they're not going to like it you know what mm-hmm. I mean they're not uh, going to like it so what it is <laughs> All
0: right well man we appreciate you man for you know spending time with us sharing your story sharing sharing your 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 faith with us, you know, you know, we just appreciate it, man. Uh, is there anything you want to share with the people before we,
1: we head out of here? No, man, I, you know, just, uh, stay, stay in You know, uh, um, there is, is, a, uh, there is a chaos coming to this world, my people. And the beast, listen, this, this is the blowing line The fathers, you got to seek his habitation and you got, uh, he has a conscience page that you can go to. And uh, every Saturday from sunup to sundown is the Sabbath. But at one thirty Eastern time, about one thirty to about 4, we do a Sabbath day study and we really, Uh, he really brings the truth of the scriptures alive and uh, you're able to learn and you know uh, keep your eyes around April 11th Uh, it's been prophesied that you know that's the the day that the chaos will begin around that time so you know you heard it you heard it on y'all's podcast man when the chaos hit you know that hey somebody knows something (laughs) and 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 those who Something you better draw close to them and try to get to know them and learn them scriptures because that's the only thing that's going to be protected. Well,
0: Michael, man, we we appreciate you for joining us. You know, um, if if we can, I don't know if you got time. You know, those 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 rings. You know,
2: <laughs> get a peek at those rings. Oh, yeah, we we know you got them shined up, probably cased okay. up, and everything. <laughs> if it ain't too much trouble you know all
1: right man we got uh, we got a few here Here, man so we got we got the cotton bowl ring cotton bowl we got the super bowl ring there we gotta enjoy the national championship ring so that's my that's my baby right there
0: the two, yeah, that's nice. Hey, man.
1: hey man, but I, I'm ringed up right here. You know,
2: I've been no. right <laughs> We got to become a Life, the whole arm, the
0: whole hand. <laughs> I like that. Oh, once again, man, we appreciate you for joining us, sir and we appreciate y'all for listening it's been another episode of legit podcast once again we are your hosts i am real one i'm Kitty. and our special guest michael clayton thank you for joining us sir the real
2: 444
0: right, the album i'll make sure to put that link in the description down below you know what i mean you also check out that youtube <laughs> video as well i will put that link in the description down below as well yeah.
1: that bloodthirsty man Yeah,
0: bloodthirsty you heard it here Appreciate y'all
2: for watching. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new. We'll see you on the next episode. We out.